Hello. Welcome to the Mindful Motherhood Podcast. I invite you to stop, breathe, and mindfully explore ways to better understand and manage the daily struggles of motherhood. I'm your host, Maggie Metz. Today we're going to continue our Seasons of Motherhood series with a brief mindfulness exercise in a conversation with Jordan Reif about the early years of motherhood. I invite you now to practice a mindful reflection. If you are able, find a comfortable seated position. Roll your shoulders up, back, and down away from your ears. Close your eyes. Now begin taking deep cycles of breath, inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your nose. Do your best to maintain these deep cycles of breath throughout the exercise. Today we're going to reflect on the early years of motherhood. Whether you are currently in this season, far removed from it, or haven't yet reached it, surely you know of someone who has. Feel free to bring to mind a niece, nephew, or even a friend's baby. Picture those chubby cheeks and perfectly plump leg rolls. Mindfully recall the sweet babbles and giggles they emit over a simple game of peekaboo. Maintain deep cycles of breath as you continue reflecting on this special time in life. A time when the world is so new and strange and exciting and overwhelming for your sweet babe. A time when you, amazing mama, are everything comforting and soothing and familiar. Reflect on the feedings and the snuggles and the blowout diapers and the sleepless nights and all the nuances that wash over this season, creating such a bittersweet space in which to live for a short time. Picture your tiny little bug grasping your finger, blowing spit bubbles, playing with your hair, and pulling your hair for the first time. Ouch! No, it's not all pleasant in this season, but allow yourself to rest as you reflect on this season of squishy, cuddly, fascination, and exploration. Rest as you accept the good, the bad, and the ugly of this season. 
recognize the fact that this bittersweet season of babyhood is here today and gone tomorrow. And you have the choice every single day to either focus on the hard or soak in the beauty. Notice any feelings or emotions that arise within you as you continue to reflect on the season of rapid growth and change. Continue deep breathing, inhaling through your nose and exhaling through your nose as you allow yourself to mindfully visit this bittersweet space with your baby. Now start to bring awareness to your body. Notice how you feel seated in an upright position, the same position in which you started this exercise. Notice places where tension still resides, as well as places where tension might have been released. Gently and without any judgment at all, compare how you feel now to how you felt at the beginning of the practice. Hopefully, after practicing this mindful reflection, you find yourself feeling more calm, centered, and possibly even more connected to your baby and their experience of a new world, even if they are now 10, 20, or 30 years old. Feel free to pause here and practice this mindful reflection for as long as you'd like. But when you're ready to move on, take one more deep cleansing breath and open your eyes to a soft gaze. This mindfulness exercise is a way to reflect back on the early years of motherhood. It provides us with a unique opportunity to mindfully explore the baby stage with an open mind. Whether you've not yet encountered this stage, or you're in the midst of it, or you're well past it and thanking your lucky stars that those days have come and gone. To allow yourself to recognize the good, the bad, and the ugly of that season, and to accept it all as an equally important part of the journey of motherhood in the early years. Today we have Jordan Reif with us to talk about her journey through the early years of motherhood. Jordan is mama to one beautiful baby girl and wife to a musical prodigy who is currently finishing his doctorate. Jordan has been working as a worship leader since college and is presently pursuing ordination. In her spare time, she loves working out, playing basketball, and enjoying company over a good cup of coffee. Jordan's favorite food is Thai, although she insists that she loves food in general and enjoys trying new things. 
Her favorite fictional character is Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec. She says Leslie is her spirit character. Jordan is a fireball of passion and beauty and grace. I'm so blessed to know her in real life, and I'm sure the words that she has to offer will be a blessing to you today. So, without further ado, Jordan, welcome to the Mindful Motherhood Podcast. Yay, thanks for having me here. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. I'm really excited to have you here with me. So why don't you start off, first of all, just telling us a little bit about your motherhood journey through the early years. I never saw myself as a mom. I really didn't. I grew up in a family where I was the oldest of nine. Mm -hmm. And so I have a 10, 11 year old sister. I don't know if that contributed to it, just feeling Mm -hmm. like I've always been around kids. And so I wasn't either old enough or Mm -hmm. had been around kids enough, but I'm very career driven and task driven. And so the idea of having a child seemed it didn't seem to be compatible with Mm -hmm. having a career or getting to do what I want. And I think I I watched my mom and dad sacrifice a lot with so many kids. And so I got a Mm -hmm. front row seat to the self-sacrifice that it takes to be a parent in a Mm -hmm. way that maybe some of my peers and friends in college didn't. Mm -hmm. We talk about parenting. It's this abstract thing, but I, I think I saw the reality of it. So I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be a mom. And, And then something, something's in me really just switched Hmm. and about four years into me and Daniel being married Mm -hmm. I all of a sudden felt this maternal (laughs) growing in desire and so uh we have a we have a daughter Evie and she's 10 10 months old and it has been the most wonderful challenging excruciatingly wonderful and painful experience of my entire life and Mm -hmm. I would not change it for a single second yeah I feel like that is Perfect. That's motherhood. (laughs) Is bittersweet, beautiful, and ugly, and something we just feel like, at least for me, I don't know if I wanted to be a mom. I don't know a whole lot of people that knew they wanted to be a mom. Maybe a handful of people that I know of that are like, oh, I always knew I wanted to be a mom. But it's not something I think that we can know 100% that we're ready for, that we're meant for, if it's going to work or not. And you just kind of jump in and dive in head first. Yeah. (laughs) I think the thing for me is I, I very, I very much understood or at least had a a general idea of how hard it would be. Mm -hmm. And it has been every bit as hard as I thought it would be even harder to some Mm -hmm. degree um, in certain areas that we can talk about later. But I Mm -hmm. think what I underestimated was the amount of love and joy Mm -hmm. that comes with it. And also how much I have learned about God and about myself and about, Mm. uh, self-sacrificing love. Mm -hmm. I could just have never understood that until you actually experienced it. Right. Yeah, totally. And I feel like something you said really resonates with me. I think you said that you couldn't have imagined the joy and deep love. Mm-hmm. And then I've thought about that a lot. Like before I became a mom, I didn't realize that the sweets were going to be sweeter than I thought they would be. Yes. And then the hard things <laughs> most of the time are harder than I imagined. Yeah. It's like, it was like, it's like your heart stream. Yes, your heart just like exploded yeah I mean I felt like all every sad and hard feeling that I've ever felt went 
that way. And every yeah. ha- like just everything expanded right. in my whole body and stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. So it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's so overwhelming at first. How does my mom but... have nine kids? <laughs> She's one. amazing. Yeah. So amazing. She is amazing. I love it. So what have you found to be some of the greatest difficulties in the early years of your motherhood journey? Well, the the pregnancy, I found out I was pregnant two, two weeks, two or three weeks before COVID really started mm-hmm. to creep its way into the United States, okay. at least in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And so I was very early in my pregnancy when we hit the shutdown, which mm-hmm. in some ways was a blessing and a curse. It was mm-hmm. a blessing because I was very nauseous and didn't feel great. And so I could work from my couch yeah. and I didn't have to see anybody, yeah. but it was also not great because I'm a very social person. Mm-hmm. And so this isolation and also kind of the fear of like, oh my goodness, we're bringing out child into this world Mm -hmm. all of those emotions and um so it was a lot of ups and downs and Mm -hmm. and and my pregnancy was also very public in the sense that I'm a worship leader and so Mm -hmm. I'm on a platform every single week Mm -hmm. where people can (laughs) observe my growing body and (laughs) and make comments about my growing body and yeah uh, towards the end of my pregnancy I said to Daniel I said you know people just need to say one thing to a woman when she's (laughs) pregnant you look amazing. <laughs> yes, just stop it like, like that. You don't need to say anything else. Like mm-hmm. no other comment is necessary. And I mean, yeah. people, people are, are very, they're very kind. And I know a lot of things are said either out of ignorance or, mm-hmm. but I think the pressure of being in front of people mm-hmm. every single week and knowing that I was going to be seen, my guitar hit it a little bit here mm-hmm. and there, but, and there are some people who never even knew I was pregnant, which is just hilarious. Yeah. Me, but that's crazy. Um, and then uh, a couple a couple ups and downs with the pregnancy. I, I was really blessed to have a, a, a relatively easy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I had kidney stones once, mm-hmm. which that was the worst week of my life. Mm-hmm. But um, the hardest thing about it all was that we found out Evie was breached at mm-hmm. 39 weeks. And so I went in for my 39 week appointment for just a routine checkup, found out she was breached, scheduled a surgery for the next day. Mm-hmm. And that was the most unnerving experience in the sense that most of the time c-sections are either planned in advance or they're emergency and Mm -hmm. um and my personal c-section experience was just not that great um Mm -hmm. i don't know if my body didn't take to the medicine but i was in a lot of pain the whole time they Mm -hmm. ended up putting me out completely as soon as they pulled evie out because i was just moaning and crying and um so it was very disorienting um like I said, my mom had nine kids. She mm-hmm. had nine natural births, mm-hmm. no complications with, or, or very few, like not a lot of difficulty with each delivery. Mm-hmm. So I had in my mind the way that it was going to go. Yeah. And then it did not go that way. And, and I felt to some degree like a failure, mm-hmm. which was not what I expected. I think in my mind, I thought, um, a C-section was sort of like a way out. Mm-hmm. I don't, I had no idea. I mean, people can say, you can say, oh, you know, C-section, they knock you out. You don't even feel it. And it's like, oh my goodness, that was not my experience. Like I was in a lot of pain for a long time Mm -hmm. and the recovery was, was slow. And, um, I never would have thought that I would be the person that felt like my, like that, that mattered a lot, that the delivery mattered. Mm -hmm. Um, but when it was over and I was finally able to go home after almost five days in the hospital, Mm Um, I sobbed the Mm. first night I was home because I just really felt like, I think the overall feeling was that I didn't 
deserve her. Like I didn't mm-hmm. do the work that I needed to. And, I, and it seems even so funny saying it now because I don't believe that. But in yeah. that moment, I was holding her and everyone was saying, oh, she's amazing. She's so beautiful. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there going like, I do not deserve to be her mom. Like Aww. I, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. There was this sense that my mm-hmm. body had failed. And yeah. that was trippy. It's weird how, how something will hit you in a way that you could not have expected. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it is that I'm an, I I identify very much with an Enneagram eight and Mm -hmm. there's some, the Enneagram eights are very aware of their body. And I Mm -hmm. think that was something that I had never experienced before. I didn't know Mm -hmm. what a vaginal delivery was. I didn't know what a C-section was, or at least to experience it myself. And so you have this idea in your mind, like I'm Mm -hmm. going to deliver this baby and then it doesn't go that way. And then you're in a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was very difficult for me. And it was very difficult for me to be, um, unable to care for Evie in the ways that I thought I should have, especially in the first couple weeks. Like Daniel had to change her diaper the whole time we were in the hospital. Mm -hmm. Breastfeeding was painful and hard in and of itself, but then also positioning yourself in the hospital bed when you have, you know, a huge cut, Mm -hmm. (laughs) when your your stomach's been cut open. All of that was just, I I was really, I was really humbled in that Mm -hmm. experience because I I truly needed a lot of help. And that Mm -hmm. is not something that I readily ask for. Mm -hmm. But I will also say that where I am grateful to have been spoken into for so many, for so many years about um, postpartum Mm -hmm. is that I had a lot of friends who warned me about postpartum Mm -hmm. who said, Hey, they, they didn't talk about this when I was pregnant. This wasn't a thing. And so I had a lot of people warning me about the different signs of it. And I really felt like I was able to process a lot with my mom, with my sisters, with mm-hmm. my good friends, with Daniel, with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that that helped it not linger for as long as it could have. Those mm-hmm. feelings of guilt, those yeah. feelings of failure, those feelings of this didn't go the way that I thought it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I unfortunately can relate to uh, a C-section. Fortunately, though, my doctor's office gave me a birth plan. Mm-hmm. It was like what's your plan A? What's your plan B? What's your plan C? And I was like, I mean, I really only want a plan A. Like, I don't want to take medicine and I want to just push this thing out regularly. Yeah. But uh, they made you fill it out. And so I just kind of rolled my eyes and went, okay, like my plan A is just to have natural birth with Mm -hmm. no meds or anything. Plan B would be to have a few medicines, but no epidural or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Plan C would be an epidural yeah and then plan d which i'll never need this would be to have a (laughs) c-section heaven forbid and uh you best believe i had the c-section with grayson wow and uh it was an emergency c-section after 15 hours of labor and it's like by that point i was just like take me take me now it was so awful and i can definitely relate to the feelings of what's wrong with my body yeah yeah. Which then for me personally did spiral into a long struggle with postpartum depression. Yeah. And sorry to say, like I'm a marriage and family therapist. I have been trained in depression, what it looks like mm-hmm. and the clinical signs of it. And I just honestly thought this is just who I am now. Mm-hmm. Like being a mom is hard and mm-hmm. this is me now. Yeah. And it's been five years of overcoming that now. Wow. Grayson is yeah. five. and. I'm in a much healthier space now, but it is just full on. Mm -hmm. Like that baby comes out and I don't care what kind of delivery you had or 
how traumatic it was or how effortless it was. It's like hormones are raging and there's this tiny little human that you are responsible for. And Mm -hmm. it's just a lot. Mm -hmm. It is so much. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing absolutely your, your story with Evie. Is what there about any, with Malin? Uh, with Malin, I had a planned C-section. Okay. And uh, it wasn't that much easier. Yeah. Because <laughs> And it's funny, too, because you're saying, so it was somewhat planned, right? Because you didn't necessarily labor before yeah. and then rush off to a C-section. It was, like, planned, even though yeah. it was only planned the day before. Yeah. But, yeah, it was still really hard. And I think some of it for me was I was still really struggling with and hadn't really fully processed Grayson's birth which for me was a trauma and so then here I was again laying on what felt like the same exact table in the same exact situation and I'm like how am I supposed to be chill right now like yes I'm on meds and no I really can't I didn't thankfully I didn't really feel a whole lot uh, but I was really anxious and you know it's like here we go again yeah and then the recovery was not much easier I mean yeah I hadn't done 15 hours of laboring before but I still had this gaping wound Mm -hmm. on my Mm -hmm. stomach that took forever to heal oh yeah they're still like it's tender still yes you know yeah and that's the thing I'm right now personally it's like we would love to try to have another child Mm -hmm. and it's like do you hope for a Mm v-back do you just schedule it so that you don't have to work I don't know yet I don't have to answer that question yet but it's something I yeah it's kind of always in the back of your mind once you've had a c-section is Mm -hmm. you don't just assume anymore no and I think everybody's different and even like let's say you have another child and maybe you elect for the c-section but then Mm -hmm. maybe for a third child you're a candidate for a v-back and then maybe you do it at that point but I believe firmly that just do what you're you feel led to do and what yeah. you feel capable of doing yeah. because my doctor said I was a prime candidate for VBAC and I said no way Jose mm-hmm. give me the plan yeah. section <laughs> and you know it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be but I'm glad that I made that decision yeah yeah any other great difficulties in the early years that you have encountered yeah one of the difficulties that I'm sort of living in right now and I don't have I wish I could come and share all my wisdom for how I figured this all out, but I'm working full time and, mm-hmm. and so is Daniel. And so we are figuring out how to do this with Evie and, and thankfully we work at a church. And so mm-hmm. that's um, the staff and leadership of, of the church have allowed us to to be flexible in that. And at the mm-hmm. same time, it is very hard to have a 10 month old while both trying to have a full time job. Mm-hmm. and. There are times where I just think, are we crazy? (laughs) Have we lost our minds? And we don't have family that live super close. Daniel's Mm -hmm. parents live about an hour and a half and they come once a month and it's so incredible. Mm -hmm. And I think in this season, one, I I think this is just something people have to learn how to navigate. I think I, you always look at somebody else's life and you think they have it together. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, they made it work somehow. And then, and then you get up closer to it and you're like, oh no, they were crazy too. And if you ask them, they'll say, no, we were crazy. Yeah. And so some of it is learning to minimize the distance between this idea I have in my mind of what our family should look mm-hmm. like and the, the reality of what our family looks like. Yeah. You have this. And I think that there's a lot of, there's a lot of disappointment that lives in the gap between the perceived idea, mm. this ideal you have in your mind and, and the reality of your life. And I think, mm-hmm. 
I really do think the call of the spirit right now in my life is at least to be to be realistic. And and I think that the benefit of that comes in two ways. One, I complain less Mm -hmm. when when the gap is wide between who I think I should be and who I actually am. I find myself complaining a lot more. Mm -hmm. And then I think the, the second benefit is I'm actually able to live in the fruits of the spirit more authentically when I'm looking at my life realistically Mm -hmm. and I can have more realistic expectations of myself, of Daniel, of Evie, of the work that I can get done at the church, of my friends. And so I'm trying really hard to, to, to tighten that gap, but it takes really intentional effort because Mm -hmm. it really, it requires me to be present in every moment Mm -hmm. and to evaluate it from from a different point of view, not, not the world standards of what it means to be a successful mom or a successful working mom or a successful working mom. Who's also a white. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's to look at literally my life, what is actually happening in my life and see it as a living sacrifice unto God. Wow. I'm thinking a lot of things, but I think mainly in what I'm hearing you say, I'm really proud of you. I'm proud that you recognize these difficult things and rather than just try and avoid it when it's painful and just survive, I get the sense that you're really leaning into difficulty and then trying to navigate how can I do this better Mm -hmm. and how can I function better and I really admire and respect that about you. Thank you. So what have you found most helpful as you've journeyed through the early years of motherhood? And what have been some things that have gotten you through really hard days? Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I think there's probably been two main categories. One is just people in general, whether it's people showing up for Daniel and I and um, people's willingness to share their experiences and their stories as well. You start to feel sometimes like you're going crazy. Like mm-hmm. maybe I'm the one parent that's doing all of this wrong. Yeah. And then you share that experience with someone else and they're like, oh, me too. Right. Mm. And you're like, oh goodness, I, mm. it's not just me. Yeah. And so getting to have, I feel very lucky to have great friends and great community that, that are willing to share their horror stories as well with parenting. Mm -hmm. And I think anytime that we're able to be vulnerable with one another, we build a sense of trust and camaraderie. And I think there's a holiness that comes to being vulnerable as well. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the biggest lies that the enemy can sow into our minds and our thoughts and our lives is that we have to keep things secret, that we have to do it alone, that no one really cares about us. And and Mm -hmm. once we start to fall into that trap, it starts to feel like you're not loved. And Mm -hmm. when then you operate out of this wounded self Mm -hmm. versus I think the whole self that Christ invites us to through Mm -hmm. his presence and through the presence of the body. So I am overwhelmingly grateful for how people have showed up for us I think one of the other things that has been helpful in getting through the hard days has more been a change in my mindset when it comes to I'm a very task oriented, accomplished person. I like mm-hmm. to get things done. I like my routine and schedule. I like to feel like I'm in control of my life. Yeah. And so readjusting my expectations for what is possible in this season has been extremely freeing mm-hmm. instead of having the whole house cleaned all the time, which is just unrealistic, especially when you have a child who is getting into everything and, yeah. and travels from room to room, pulling things out mm-hmm. of drawers and um, making piles of messes everywhere. And so it's like, okay, 
in this season, if I can just keep the kitchen clean, Mm -hmm. that for some reason brings me some level of sanity. In this season, I'm not working out five times a day like I used to. And Mm -hmm. I really love working out. I can't do that. So, okay, can I work out twice a week? Could I do four workouts a day that are only five minutes long? Mm -hmm. I mean, do I have five minutes? So it's just, it's more about staying in the habit of things that are healthy versus wishing I was back in a season that is just frankly impossible to move back to. I find this in my prayer life and in my, in my Bible reading as well. Mm -hmm. I don't have time every single day to read the word for Mm -hmm. two hours, three hours. And so it's like, okay, what can I do right now? What, what is possible in this season? Because it won't always be like this. Mm -hmm. I won't always have a tiny child. And so I don't want to get out of habit of doing the things that I know are really life bringing to me. Mm -hmm. So I think those two things, people and then readjusting my expectations are the things that have gotten me through some of the days that feel like years. Yeah. <laughs> like this day will never end. Yeah, that's so good. Such a good reminder. And I think especially with kind of resetting expectations and prioritizing the most important life-giving things Yeah, in any season, but especially in the early years of motherhood, there's just a lot coming at you all the time and things are so different and fragile and Mm -hmm. small, like not only with your children, but like your journey of motherhood is pretty short right now. And so you're still learning to navigate all that. And so I think a common error or universal error is that we just expect too much of ourselves. Mm -hmm. I mean, (laughs) even now, like I'm, I've been a mom for five years and there's so much grace I need to extend myself that yeah. I I don't and so much more prioritizing that I need to do and really looking at, I mean, like you said, if I can't commit to keeping the entire house clean, what if I chose one room mm-hmm. and kept that clean and yeah. maintained my sanity in that way? Yep. Because isn't that better than no rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Just making these little adjustments to our expectations that allow us to thrive Mm -hmm. instead of just surviving, which, which I see you doing. I feel like that is a theme for, for what I'm hearing from you is that you are really making intentional adjustments in order to be able to thrive Mm. instead of just survive in Mm -hmm. the season, even though it's hard. Mm-hmm. And even though those sacrifices and adjustments aren't what you would want to make, yeah. you prioritize yourself and your family enough to make those adjustments. And yeah. I, I, I really appreciate that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. The power of habit. Mm-hmm. Can't underestimate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. What are some resources and or words of encouragement that you can offer other moms that are currently in the early years of motherhood as well. Yeah, one of the things that we found really helpful as a resource is a class called or class from this lady named Kara who has a program called Taking Care of Babies. It's mm-hmm. a sleep training and and honestly she offers a lot of other free resources. Um mm-hmm. we did her uh I guess it's her newborn class is what it would be called. And, and it's really just focusing, focusing more on foundation of sleep. She says you can't sleep train a baby until they're about five months. So we did that and then, um, have felt that Evie has slept pretty well. So she, her Mm -hmm. main class is called the ABCs of sleep. It's from five months to 24 months. Okay. And we didn't buy that one simply because the foundational 
uh, program worked so well for us, but that mm-hmm. has been a game changer. It really has. It's been, it's been really amazing. And I, I tell people, I think the newborn class is like a hundred bucks and I would pay a thousand dollars for it. <laughs> yeah. I hope, that's I hope taking care of babies doesn't hear me say that because <laughs> I don't want her to have charged me, but yeah. it's really worth it. I think another resource that's been really helpful is the book Lazy Genius. Mm. It's sort of that idea of prioritizing the things that mm-hmm. that really matter, being being a genius about the things that matter and lazy yeah. about the things that don't. Uh, so those would be two other helpful resources. And then uh, going on the, the idea of habit, the power of habit, or what we love shapes what we do and who we become. Mm-hmm. Um, James Smith has a book called You Are What You Love. And mm-hmm. that book has been transformational and just the idea of we are creatures of habit. And so we become what we love. And Mm. and his premise is that if we love Christ, we'll become more and more like him over time. So that one's a little bit more nerdy. If you're feeling nerdy, (laughs) if you're up late breastfeeding or (laughs) sleepless nights and you want to read that or listen to it, that's the, my nerdy plug. Okay, cool. I will add all three of those resources um, to the episode notes so people can access them if they want to. Jordan, thank you so much for chatting with me today and for sharing a little piece of your motherhood journey with us. Thanks for having me, Maggie. It's Mm -hmm. been an honor. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening and for taking the time to pause and turn inward today. It is so important to remember to take care of yourself in the midst of caring for everyone else. A special thanks to Jordan for being willing to share with us about her journey of the early years of motherhood. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss a single mindful moment. Until next time, be mindful, Mama. Mama.